Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood, and we are continuing our special coverage for Black History Month. If you listened last week, you will have heard that we talked to Deborah Tulani Sulahuddin of the National Museum of African American History and Culture out in D.C. It's the newest Smithsonian. And in the course of the interview, I asked her if there was any particular artifact in the collection that really resonated with her. And to tell you that I was blown away by the story she proceeded to tell is an understatement. It's been a little over a month since our interview, and the story just still stays with me. It's like something out of the mind of M. Night Shyamalan. The horror of this particular story combined with her unique connection to it, to how different things needed to happen for it to fall into her possession, is just astounding. And it's a little easy when you go to a museum to forget that the artifacts that are in your museum each have a story behind them and a reason why they are in those museums. So I'm not going to be able to describe it any better than she can. So here is Deborah Tulani Sulahuddin of the National Museum of African American History and Culture and the story of Matthew Williams and the rope. There's this object and sometimes I hesitate because it's tied to a very tragic event in history. But the way that I came about collecting this particular object was quite unusual. In the segregation era gallery, there's about an eight-inch piece of a lynch rope. It was used in the killing of a 23-year-old African-American man in Salisbury, Maryland, in 1931. His name was Matthew Williams. I had heard this story before because I'm from Salisbury, Maryland. So I had heard of this story So one day, I'm on a site visit looking for artifacts associated with Paul Henderson, who was a career writer with the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper. He was a photojournalist. I wanted to feature him in one of the galleries. So I'm looking for objects associated with Paul Henderson. So I'm in the home of the woman who was the executor of his estate, And so after she shows me things associated with his photojournalist career, she brings this shoebox and sits it on the dining room table. And she didn't even lift the lid. She said, here's something else you might want to look at. So I lift the lid and there's this eight inch piece of lynch rope, still oil stained, and it's in a plastic bag. And there's a handwritten note tied to this rope. And it's written by none other than Paul Henderson, who had gone to Salisbury, Maryland, in the aftermath of the lynching to cover the story. He had acquired this piece of lynch rope because it was being handed out. These pieces were being handed out as souvenirs. I came to learn that this was a common practice. This is just how vile people were. After they had lynched him, burned his body, they took the rope, cut it into 
pieces handed out to the crowd. And he was on the periphery of the crowd. And being a very light-skinned African-American man who could pass for white, he secured a piece of the rope and he kept it. And in that handwritten note, he explains exactly what I explained to you, that he was at this site, he acquired it, and he uses terms as the bloodthirsty mob, things like that, this piece of oil-soaked rope. So it was almost as if he was speaking from the grave and telling the story of racial violence against Matthew Williams and the broader story of lynching and the spectator sport, actually, that it had become. And I had known a little bit about it through an exhibition of postcards and lynching photographs called Without Sanctuary that had come out years ago. And I learned then that it was a kind of spectator sport. And it just baffled me just how people could be so vile and to see the suffering of another human being as something to be joyful about. So it's a very tragic story, but because it is a hometown story for me and because of the interesting way I came about it, because of the letter, the handwritten note that was tied to it, that really informs and gives context to it. For all those reasons, it's one of the objects that compel me the most to want to study more about history. And if you think about fate and everything, of all the ways that it got in front of you for you to be able to display it in the National Museum for everybody to see and everybody to learn. about it. And you hit the nail on the head because that's what I was thinking when I saw it. I said, I'm from Salisbury. I heard about this story. In fact, there's a woman, Sherilyn Eiffel. She's the president of the National Association of the NAACP National Defense and Education Fund. And she wrote a book called On the Courthouse Lawn, which documents that story of Matthew Williams and several other lynchings that occurred on the eastern shore of Maryland during the early 20th century. And she interviewed me and my father for her book. So we are cited in her book. This came out, like I said, some years, years before. When I found that lynch rope, I called her on the phone and I said, Sherilyn, I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, you wrote that book about Matthew Williams and how he was lynched on the courthouse lawn. Do you know I ran across a piece of the actual rope that was used in that lynching? And so, yeah, it was eerie (laughs) the way things happen. It's amazing. I can't wait to see. I'm not going to have all day to say say this. You can go to our website and that story, I was so moved by it. I had to write about it. Oh, so good. if you go to collection stories on our website, you can read about that particular story. You can see an image of the rope as well as the note that's attached to it. Oh, I'm definitely going to link to it and get it out to our audience. I want to thank you for your time today and for everything that you've done here. It's just phenomenal. Oh, so thank you. You're most welcome. 
If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit WorkHuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 